Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Autumn Reed Henning is a private practitioner and educator who offers clinical services through her private practice and professional training related to oral facial function. Although she started out in skilled nursing facilities in the schools, it was a chance invitation to join an intensive feeding program that led her to become obsessed with tongue ties and myofunctional therapy. Her interest in this emerging area of the field led her to start noticing that there was a lack of information for therapists, so she started her own courses and training programs. She's taught all over with thousands of SLPs, OTs, dentists, physicians, lactation consultants, and more going through her programs. In 2020, right before the pandemic hit, she opened her first brick and mortar practice in Greenville, South Carolina, which has grown very quickly due to a need for services in the area. This is a fantastic interview with a bit of an SLP celebrity who talks a lot about how having a specialized business and private practice has really helped her increase her impact and, yes, her income while she's filling a gap and providing what she wishes that she had access to. If you're thinking about starting a specialty-based private practice or if you already have one, you don't want to miss this episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. There are two ways that you can go with your private practice. One is to become a specialist in a niche area like aphasia, childhood apraxia, hearing loss, and more, or in the case of today's interviewee, orofacial myology, or you can become a generalist and see people of different ages, diagnoses, and disorders. I usually tell folks in my Start Your Private Practice program to start off as a generalist and see any client that you are comfortable and competent to work with as a way to build your confidence, your caseload, and your income. Then as time goes on and you start to grow, then it's a good time to start to specialize and become known as the go-to person in your area for whatever your thing is. 
Specializing works really well if you're building a business around you and your expertise. Sometimes people who want to have big brick and mortar clinics take a similar approach, but in a different way. They may have a large generalist private practice, but they hire staff with different clinical interests so they can offer specialty services to their clients while still remaining broad. Make sense? Our scope of practice as speech pathologists is huge. And some people really like that. They don't want to get stuck in just doing one thing. They like variety. Other people want to go deep and get really good at one or two things and not be a Jill of all trades. No matter what, you get to decide. You get to decide what you want to do, who you want to serve, and how you will help them. And if you find something that you really like to do and you're good at it, over time, you might also want to teach other people how to do it too. There are similarities between Autumn's and my story in terms that we both saw a need in the field and we filled it with education that wasn't there previously. She'll talk about it in the interview, but since most graduate programs don't teach about private practice and MBA programs teach about things like supply chain management, which has nothing to do with us, I fill a gap of teaching SLPs how to build successful private practices step by step. Teaching allows both Autumn and myself to have a much bigger impact than either of us could if we stayed at the local level, which is one of the reasons why we do it. This interview is fantastic, so you are in for a treat, and let's get on it. Before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? So I'm Autumn Henning, and I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. And the name of my practice is Chrysalis Orofacial, and a bit of a unique name, um, but it has a story with it. Well, tell us the story. (laughs) Okay. So um, Orofacial, obviously, all I do is our practice addresses oral dysfunction. So that could be um, babies having trouble breast or bottle feeding, kids having trouble with solids or speech, like as far as mechanics and articulation all the way up through adolescents and adults with, you know, um, tongue thrust, um, TMJ issues, sleep apnea, those sort of things that the mouth and face affects. So that's the orofacial part. The chrysalis part is, that's a stage in metamorphosis with the butterfly. I've always loved butterflies. And um, there's this story about a man that saw a butterfly trying to get out of a cocoon. And He cut open the cocoon for the butterfly thinking he was helping and the butterfly never flew because it really like needed that struggle to develop. And so, you know, in my life, you know, we've all had our, you know, ups and downs and adversities and life lessons and things like that. That's something I really identify with is, you know, looking at the challenges, you know, we face and um, in patient care. I can't do it for you. I'm not cutting open your cocoon for you. You have to work. And, um, you know, ultimately, I'm going to hold your hand and hopefully get you to the other side to be that butterfly. But it's going to take some commitment and some some learning and some work. And so that's where Chrysalis came from. I love that story. I love hearing like how people name their private practices, right? That's one of the, in in their companies or or whatever. It's just so cool to think about, you know, there's all these options and yet sometimes people feel like there's no options or whatever. But when you, when you have a really unique name, I always love to hear 
the origin story on that. So thank you for sharing. It just felt right. And, I, you know, we went round and round with the name and yeah, it's hard to spell. So that's one drawback, but <laughs> um, anyway, it fits us and works. <laughs> well, I think that's great. So Autumn, you're kind of a private practice celebrity, I would say, like in the, you're kind of known in the SLP world, but I don't know that a lot of people know your story of how you, you know, got started in the profession and maybe some of the twists and turns and evolutions that you've had over your career. So could you take us back to the beginning and kind of tell us what what was life like for you as a young SLP? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in, you know, in graduate school, like I really liked adult TBI and trauma and, and that cognitive piece. And, you know, if you had told me I was going to be working with infants feeding and, you know, orofacial myology, I didn't even know what that was at that point in time. And, um, you know, my, my first job was a sniff and it was not for me. And, um, I figured that out pretty quickly. And, you know, again, like, I think there's value in finding what you aren't into as well. And so then I completed my CF in the school system and it was a good experience in that, like, you know, I I learned a lot about how things work in the schools and, you know, some of those challenges and and things like that. But um, a position opened up in a intensive feeding program and I didn't have any feeding experience and they were like, oh, good, we'll train you. So, you know, sometimes it's great to um, get people that are fresh because you can kind of help mold them and and help direct them. So that's kind of cool. So I fell in love with pediatric feeding there. And, you know, I had a specific case that led me into the tongue tie world and learned a whole lot about tongue tie, you know, mainly, you know, obviously research and reading books and stuff, but a lot wasn't out at that point. This was 2010. So I joke and I call tongue tie my gateway drug (laughs) because, you know, I was working in pediatric feeding with, with kids with tongue ties and then knowing what that dysfunction can look like later on, as far as, you know, some of the things I mentioned with adults, like headaches and TMJ issues and sleep apnea and you know, all of those things, voice disorders, that led me to pursue certification in orofacial myology. I just went out and did all the training and learning I could. After the intensive feeding program, I worked a couple other places. Um, One was a private practice. I was a contractor there at a clinic. And another um, was a ABA school. So learned a lot about that side of things. And then um, my husband and I were recruited to come to South Carolina and um, start a nonprofit. So um, we did that for five years. And um, you and I were talking a little bit about like just being split and pulled in different directions. I was working 30 hours at the nonprofit. I became a mom. I was seeing adult patients because the nonprofit was only for, for children. That was like their mission and vision. And um, I was seeing adult patients on like my days off and um, also traveling and teaching my courses. So it was a lot going on. And my community really just needed this specialty service and there's no one providing it. 
So we decided to go all in and um, we created, you know, Chrysalis was in existence for courses, but it wasn't for clinical services. So my husband is our um, chief operating officer. And so he does basically everything that's not clinical. And so it was just he and I, um, a lot of people don't know this, but our private practice only launched in 2020. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So but you've had great impressions with the courses, right? So maybe we should also talk about how you got started with your courses. So tell everyone how that got started, because I know that that is something that you're definitely known for. Right. Yes. And I, yeah, I started, um, my first course was in 2016. So, you know, like I said, I really became passionate about tongue tie and how it affects people throughout the lifespan. And, you know, my colleagues just kept asking me like, Hey, what's this tongue tie thing? And I'd get emails or a Facebook message. And, you know, it's not really something you can answer in a paragraph. Like there's a lot of nuance to it. And so instead of like reinventing the wheel every time, I just started like what I was doing was working and we were getting great results with our patients. So I started writing down ideas um, and what was working and what wasn't in a little notebook by my bed. And that like brainstorming turned into a two day, 14 hour course. You know, I did have some mentors along the way. One of my mentors did a feeding course. And so like she gave me some pointers on, you know, contracts and what you want to consider and things like that. But, you know, honestly, I, I kind of, I took a little from there and took a little from this person as far as like their advice and information and figured out what worked for me. And so I've done it a little bit different than traditional, I guess, but Hey, still here and going strong. Well, and I love that, right? Because it, just like you talked about earlier, like with the chrysalis and, and whatever, you know, things can can evolve over time, right? And the thing I love that you said too was about how there was a gap in, of information in the world. Like in, in the SLP world, there wasn't this information. You were learning this information and figuring out how it directly applied to the clients that you were seeing. And I remember when I first started the independent clinician, I kind of did the same thing. I used to do like blog posts and I used to sell these like, little mini eBooks. And I would figure out like what was working for me. And then I started teaching it to others and seeing like, okay, well, what is working for others? And I, just like your story, I knew that you can have a bigger impact if you go wider, right? Like you can, can help more people if you don't just keep stuff to yourself in your notebook, but instead you start to share it with the world in the form of either in-person courses or online courses or that kind of thing. So I love how you shared that story. and so. Keep, keep talking about that. Yeah. And I, what you said really sparked me too. Like when I create courses and, you know, I've got a few now and several are in process, but when I created Touch Training, which is kind of like my flagship course, what I'm, you know, where I started, what I'm known for, I created what I wished I had had starting out, right? Like all the stuff that you like, you know, you combed through, you, you tried with patients, trial and error, you did your research, you know, there wasn't a course out there on tongue tie. When I started, there wasn't one. It, mine was the first like ASHA, um, CEU course for tongue ties. So 
I try to, you know, and it, it's sometimes hard to like think back to what it was like before, but I try to always direct everything towards what would have made my life easier? What would have helped me grow faster and accelerate and re- reach my goals? What do I wish I had had as a resource? And I think if you can do that, you know, you're going to be successful because odds are a lot of people and SLPs and um, folks out there are looking for the same things. Yep. And they may not have the the time and perhaps the the level of obsession that you had to figure this out, right? And so I think that SLPs, like we're busy people. SLPs are hardworking and in many cases overworked professionals <laughs> that even if they're really interested and they, you know, they attend, you know, some courses here or there, they, you know, read read the latest journal articles, they may not have enough time to compile all of the things that would go into a course. So how awesome that you can, you know, come along and provide this for people. And again, fill that gap in the marketplace and also in the professional knowledge space. Right, right. Absolutely. And, you know, mentioning, you know, folks that are working several jobs and pulled in this direction and that direction, that was also a motivating factor for creating my private practice. And I I'm really, really proud of, you know, creating a place for SLPs to pursue their passion and to be treated fairly and compensated for their time and instill some of the values that like I wish I had had at other places of, of employment, not to badmouth places that I worked by any means, but as far as like, you know, caseload size and tools and resources available and you know, benefits and things like that. I'm also an IBCLC, a lactation consultant. And um, one of my most recent exciting things that I'm so happy about is one of my associates is what I call them, um, therapists. She went on maternity leave and she just came back. And I wanted to make it as positive as possible for like her pumping journey and feeding her baby coming back. And so that's something that I was excited to provide. Like she gets 30 minute paid breaks. She has a place to store her milk, a private locking room, you know, all of the things that I wish I had when I was coming back to work after being a mom. And so, you know, all those therapists out there, you know, just like with the courses, I think about what I wish I had had at a place of employment. If you are thinking about starting a private practice, or maybe you are, Think back to those days of, you know, what resources you wanted and how you wanted to be treated in your place of employment. That helps with retention and attracting really great talent for your practice. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think a lot of people go into private practice thinking that, oh, I don't want to hire anybody, right? I just want to be a solo Um, provider, right? And I think a lot of people think that. And then what happens is they get so many inquiries in their wait list gets to be exponential, but then they start to have that guilt of having like it, you want a wait list until you have one and then you feel guilty about having one, right? And then some people think like, okay, well now's the time where I need to hire people because you feel guilty about the people on the wait list, right? Yeah. So tell us about like starting your private practice and also really like moving in pretty quickly to like boss mode, right? And having employees and whatnot working for you. Yeah. You know, I mentioned like we went full-time private practice in January, 2020. It was just myself treating. 
And I was full within three weeks, like 40 hours. Full. Um, and, you know, the, the key is, is really, I say this all the time, it's all about networking and building relationships in your community. If you can do that, dropping off referral pads doesn't do it. It's about the touches and the having coffee with this doctor or this other therapist or whatever. It's about getting to know people, getting to trust people. But anyway, I was full three weeks in and then we hired at eight weeks and she was building her caseload and then the world shut down. <laughs> so um, we, we did okay. You know, I'm super proud of that, that we did not have to, you know, lay, lay our um, therapist off at that time. And, and we made it and we're doing fine. And, but yeah, once we came back, she got full pretty quickly. And then we have since hired, we outgrew our space. I was just renting two little rooms, subleasing at a CPA's office. Um, and we had like, you know, a common waiting area and a common little bathroom and kitchen and stuff. But um, once we were both full, there was nowhere else to go. And so I'm glad that I started small and, you know, was was renting and whatnot. And then we ended up building our, our clinic. Um, so we moved in in January. So pretty much like one full year, we had our own clinic. We went from two little rooms to 1,500 square feet. So, and then we have, let's see, two other therapists and hopefully another one coming aboard and front desk. And then my husband is basically doing all the HR and finances and that type of business side of things. So it's been a fast growing journey. And like, that's one of the things I struggle with is like predicting growth, you know, it's hard to plan and, you know, people would congratulate me on our new space and they're like, <laughs> you're going to grow out of it again. And I was like, oh, no, we like we plan to be here a long time. Well, we only have one more room and we're going to be full. So, yeah, it you know, you don't want to bite off more than you can chew, but you also want to try and plan for growth. And sometimes it, it's just tough. Yeah. Well, I have to confess when you, when you said that you had this new space, I was like, oh, that's not going to last long. So I was also one of those people I hate to tell you, but it's because you're filling against such a, a void in right. your area. So can you now talk about what it's like to have a private practice that is a specialty based private practice? And how does that work in terms of attracting clients in terms of maybe competition in your area referrals? How does all that work for you? Yeah. So, you know, for me, when I seek out my own healthcare, I want to go to the person that does whatever the, you know, issue I'm seeking help for. I want to go to the person that does that day in and day out. Not the person that like, you know, works on your foot, your head and your arm. You know what I mean? Like if, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm really passionate about specializing. I feel like that's a really big success point for me is really honing in and specializing and sticking to what we love and what we're passionate about and having that identity and knowing this is who we are. We're not going to try to be the best at everything and be um, the end all be all for every, you know, our scope of practice is huge, like huge. And, you know, it's just hard to keep up with all of that. and. To be the best that I can be, I 
specialize and really like narrow that focus. And so I think that has made our practice very successful in that people know us for that. Um, We do very little. I mean, we haven't done any paid advertising. It's pretty much all relationship based. And again, looking at how I can help those referral sources. So when I'm talking to an orthodontist, I'm thinking about how I can make his life easier and his patient successful, not gimme, gimme, gimme patients, right? And so I think if you flip that script, you're going to get more referrals. And if you build the relationship, the referrals are going to come less about marketing and just being you know, true to yourself and, and your, your goals and your passions. So I also think therapists are more, you know, motivated and genuine and want to come to work and do their best when they're treating what they love and what they're happy with. So even before my private practice, I was a clinic director and, you know, we did everything as far as speech goes um, for pediatrics, you know, fluency and language and AAC and whatever. If a therapist just loved, you know, fluency, then I want to foster that and help them pursue that versus, okay, I I know you cannot stand working, you know, on on these issues. I'm going to give you a bunch of caseload on, on these patients. And so I think that's really, again, looking back to when I was an employee and working for someone else, creating that space for my employees. So I, I love having a specialized practice. I think it makes things a lot more doable and you don't feel stretched as thin and um, like you have to be everything to everybody. So, yeah. Yeah, I think those are all, you know, right. So our scope is huge, right? And sometimes people, I think, get very intimidated by that. And they say, well, I have yeah. this group that I love. And, you know, you go to conventions and you notice, you know, all the things that you signed up for are like in one or two categories, right? And you may be like, yeah. oh, maybe I should really learn something about child apraxia speech or something, right? And you're like, I don't, I don't really, it's not really my thing, but like, what am I going to, you know, eh, right? So it's like, you do want to like, we all want to focus on the things that we're the most passionate about. And so I love it when people are able to make a career out of that. And that's, you know, a hundred percent what you are doing. And again, for, Mm -hmm. for your community too, right. You're now like, tell us about like kind of the area where you, where you live and work and like, how are you also, you know, connecting with, you know, on on a community level with people who need your services? Right. Yeah. Um, so we're in green Greenville, South Carolina, you know, it's, I I say it's like we have big city amenities, you know, we have concerts and events and festivals and events and things, but it also feels small town. So big city amenities, but small town feel, you know, really like networking and, you know, going to events and things like that. Meeting other practitioners is really important and is a great support system. And, you know, bottom line, if you do a good job and you help someone, that's your best advertising. That's your best advertising. Like I would say probably about 60% of folks that come to us self-referred, found us from a friend, from their neighbor, maybe um, a family member or, you know, just word of mouth. And so I think that's really powerful. I really love 
private practice because I can give back to my community. You know, the the success that I have in private practice allows me the freedom to, you know, support my family and support my community. And so, you know, I get to invest in things that causes and um, community events that I care about. And um, so we're doing an event coming up. Um, we're sponsoring a cornhole tournament of all things, but it's for um, service dogs. And um, this group that trains and provides service dogs to veterans that are affected by PTSD. And that's something close to my heart. And so, you know, with what I'm building in private practice, I'm able to do that. Whereas, you know, before I may have not had that financial freedom and resources to do something of that level, I guess. So um, I love doing that. I love doing like lunch and learns and, and you know, Q&A sort of things, things like this podcast, helping other um, therapists and clinicians. If you had told me, oh, you're going to have a specialty private practice working on XYZ 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I think truly like if you had told me I was going to teach courses all over the country, I would have never imagined that. And I think it's just like following my heart, following um, what I see as a need out there and um, just evolving has, has been really fun process when I look back. What would you say is next for you? Like, what do you see in the next couple of years? Any predictions? Yeah. Um, so the next few years, I I am hoping to, like you, <laughs> I love teaching. That is how I'm fulfilled. That is how I learn. That is what I'm passionate about. Even within my practice, you know, I, as a therapist, I feel like I'm teaching the patient. I'm teaching the family. And, you know, in grad school, how did I learn? I would, with my friends in grad school, I would study and I would quiz them and I would teach them the concepts. I feel like if you can teach something, then you really know it. And so for me, what's next is, you know, figuring out what the vision for this private practice is. Sometimes um, we grow so quickly that we're reacting instead of planning. And that's, I mean, quite honestly, that's been a little bit what it's about. And like really, you know, taking time away from the to-do list and reflecting. What do I want my practice to look like? What do I want my life to look like? And the private practice is a means to reaching those goals as well as being a mom and, um, you know, balancing personal with professional. So for me, um, I think what's next for me is um, really mentoring my associates and therapists and kind of getting the clinic very self-sustaining as far as I don't have to be there because I I want to step back a little more from treating. You know, I always want to treat because I feel like I need to keep my finger on the pulse. And that's how I create new ideas is I try something with a patient and it, you know, it works or it doesn't. And then I learn, but um, I want to do less of it and work more on um, courses. We've launched an online course platform and um, that took me a little out of my comfort zone. I'm an in-person learner. So like teaching, I had to like be very creative in, you know, as far as like 
creating engagement and making sure that it was just as effective online as, you know, in person. So I've got probably about 14 different course ideas that, you know, I honestly, time is my most precious commodity. I need the time to sit and and develop those and and create those. So I want to do a lot more um, consulting, mentoring, and course creation and teaching. Still treat, but not as much. And so, yeah, I just want a little more flexibility in my schedule. And my my little girl is going to be going to school. So, you know, things like field trips. I want to be able to jump on a field trip and um, or go eat lunch with her at school or, you know, things like that. And so I'm hoping this trajectory will get me there. Part of the challenge is, you know, finding the right people for your team that complement the culture and are an asset to your team and are passionate about, you know, it's hard enough to hire an SLP anyway. We're in shortage, right? But finding someone that this is what they want to do all day, every day is tough. And, you know, honestly, we've recruited three of our, three of our employees are from, they moved for this job. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Someone that can kind of fill a clinical role, but also fill a little bit of the leadership role as well. And, um, you know, your private practice is your baby and being able to like, let that rope out and, um, you know, delegate and relinquish some of that responsibility and control and developing that relationship and trust with the folks that you hire. It just takes time. And, you know, I'm figuring some of this out as I go anyway. So, (laughs) well, I love that. I think that you gave a ton of good advice in there and just, you know, being honest with figuring a lot of this out as you go, right. Taking time to plan. And I think it's always important to think about, you know, what are, what are your priorities, right? And really try to build a business that works for your life, right? Like for a long time, when you're first getting started in your business, you work in service to your business, right? Like yes. you're the one and you're putting in a lot of hours and you're doing everything. But the whole idea of having a business and being a business owner is to have the business serve you too, right? Like you and your community and you are the people who work for you. And, and everything else, right? And then even being able to give back through like charitable contributions and fundraising and that kind of thing. So you are totally figuring it all out. You've had a lot of growth all at once, but I can tell that you have big plans for the future in ways to, you know, again, to continue to increase your impact, which I always think is, is the biggest goal that we can all strive for. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to touch on? I think we're good. But um, one of the things that you talked about was impact. And that is kind of where it came from. Like, how many more people can you help if you're training the therapists, you know, across the country to be able to impact their community? And so that ripple effect is really what I love. And I love getting messages of people. Oh, I took your course. And, you know, I helped this person and that person. And, you know, I'm forming relationships in my community. and things like that. But it's a lot to think about and like slowing down and and sitting down and thinking about how you want your your business to contribute to your life, fit your business into your life, not your life around your business. And so, yeah, like, you know, 
when you're in that building phase, it's kind of frantic and you're just like, okay, I just got to make this work. I got to, you know, build this up and, and make it successful. Well, now we are successful. And so we can really, you know, take a step back and, um, yeah, we went on our first vacation, <laughs> um, it, you know, and, and like leaving your business to to take a trip. You know, I think people glamorize private practice sometimes and, you know, being your own boss and being other people's bosses is tough at times, like especially during COVID. I was so jealous at points like, oh, my gosh, people that work in the hospital, they're just told what these protocols are and what to do. Well, being a private practice owner, I had to figure it out. I didn't have this infectious disease, you know, department that figured it all out. And I didn't have like a legal department that, you know, figured out, you know, what we needed as far as like liability and things like that. So it's, it's been really, it's actually been really fun. And I think you just have to roll with the punches and be up for the challenge for it. Yeah. That's kind of my plans for future. Yeah. So jump on social media and our email list. And uh, yeah, I want you to stay tuned for upcoming stuff. I should be announcing two courses this month. I'm I'm really excited about those two new offerings. Um, and again, kind of filling a gap where there, there is one, you know, the things that I wish someone had taught me or had a resource on is what I'm creating. And so, yeah. That's where we are. I love it. So where can people find you on social media, on the internet? Where can people sign up to learn more about your programs and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So um, obviously our website, chrysalisorofacial.com. You can go down to like contact us and you can check to be on our email list. Um, There's a lot of resources on there too. So as far as like articles and blogs, and um, I always link podcast that I do. So this will be on there. And um, yeah, and then social media, just type in Chrysalis Sorofacial on Facebook and Instagram, kind of heavy on the Instagram. And that's one thing I have evolved in. I was like dragging my feet and refusing to do Instagram. I was like, no, I don't want another social media thing that I have to learn and do. And I got pushed by another female business owner. And she was like, look, you got to do this Instagram thing. It's fun. It's good for your business. And she actually gifted me a course on Instagram. So I took like a little mini workshop on it and I've loved it. And it's been very good and and fun. And, you know, I get to relate to the other therapists and clients and and things like that. But it's also that point of impact. I can, you know, do a live and impact others and help them learn and they can go make an impact, a way to get out information. So yeah, those are the main things, just our our website and then our Facebook and Instagram. Fantastic. Well, go follow Autumn, everybody, and maybe send her a DM, tell her that you heard this episode and uh, check out new courses when they come out and existing courses as well. But thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your story and also your plans for the future. Thank you, Jenna. This was great. I'm glad we connected. And thank you for all you do in this space. You're everywhere. And, you know, I I feel like so many private practice owners are so inspired by your advice and the community that you've created in this space. So thank you to you as well. Of course. Thanks.
Can you tell how much I love Autumn? So before this interview, we knew about each other, but we'd never actually talked. During the interview, we became fast friends and will continue to be supportive of each other's work. Autumn has a specialty private practice, which is what many of the folks who go through my program, the Start Your Private Practice program, want to build. Some start off as generalists and others dive right in and know exactly what they want to do and who they want to help. Again, the choice is yours, which is pretty cool and different from when you work in traditional settings where you rarely get a say in who you help. They just put people on your caseload. It's much easier when you get to pick and choose clients that you feel the most comfortable working with. And that's one reason why more and more speech language pathologists are choosing private practice. If you are interested in starting a private practice, don't try to figure it out on your own. You can probably do it that way, but it will cost you a ton of time and money in mistakes and lost income versus following a tried and true path that has worked for thousands of SLPs just like you. Private practice can be hard, but it doesn't have to be. We're going to be opening enrollment to the Start Your Private Practice program soon, so make sure that you're on the waiting list over at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I hope that you enjoyed today's interview and that you'll join us again next week. Until then, go out there and help more people and don't forget to help yourself too. See you next week. I decided to invest in the Start Your Private Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. <laughs> and I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.